Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. <laughs> See, there we're missing go. the jokes! Oh, we're missing oh, the yeah. jokes! <laughs> I was just alerted with a very creepy voice that this is being recorded. <laughs> I didn't agree to this. Tyler, are you there? Earth to Tyler. Other Tyler. It's just Tyler's iPhone. Siri, is Tyler there? <laughs> no, just no. a sec. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. A lot better. I like it. There we go. Yeah. I just turned my video off. That way I can go to the bathroom in the middle of the show. <laughs> just don't leave your mic on. <laughs> Ranger Command Shower Hour. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> The, the after dark version. And now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Ay, 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour, extra episode 86, Rangers Review, Dino Fury, Season 2, Episodes 4 through 7, recorded on April 20th, 2022. Welcome to Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. It's time to range up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as b 47 I'm Chris, also known as Long's Toys. I'm Tyler, also known as Vero Volto. I'm also Tyler, also known as Tyler MC. And I'm Mason. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash ranger command ph to learn more about supporting ranger command power hour thanks to our five dollars and above patrons charles d chris p steve f ajw jacob p steve m tyler b tyler w charlie m craig m liz m mason m jason o kevin r steve r hassan a bo h josh p Derek g and Teresa b for supporting us this month remember you can find all of the links to everything ranger command at link tr.ee slash ranger command ph as well as our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.com slash shop slash Ranger Command PH. Welcome, everyone. We've got a few special guest co-hosts today, uh, some new, some returning. So thanks, everyone, for joining. Zach is on a magnificent cruise that we know nothing about because he is totally off Twitter. Good for him. He's taken a vacation. So I've employed the help of uh, some of my guest co-hosts. How's it going, everyone? Going good. good. Takes four of us to replace one Zach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And one AP. And one AP. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He's floating in the ocean somewhere and uh, has no clue about any of this. And that must be a wonderful (laughs) life. (laughs) Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to hear his story, see his pictures, all of that stuff. So, so that should be good. He said cruise. I thought he was like on the grand line or something. (laughs) (laughs) Not that kind of show today, but (laughs) But first, I want to uh, introduce uh, new to podcasting, uh, Tyler MC. You might have heard him first on the uh, Effin Pod over at Effin Cool, talking all things Radiant Black and a surprise interview with uh, Kyle Higgins. Uh, welcome, Tyler MC, to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, huge, uh, huge surprise from my favorite comic book writer of all time no surprise i got into radiant black because i got into power rangers because well didn't we all just turn on the tv see some colorful guys fighting in helmets and thought hey this is cool so um yeah happy to be talking about these uh new episodes with you today 
Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, welcome to the show and returning. We've got Mason. What's going on, Mason? Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Yeah. It's just fun to be back and talk some Power Rangers. It's effing cool. We talk about a lot of other stuff. So I love talking about Power Rangers with you over here. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, we got our other Tyler. He hasn't been on in a while. In a while. In a while. So how have you been doing, man? Yeah, the 100th episode, I think, was the last time my voice was on the show. And now we're approaching 200, so that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but I have nothing to do with effing cool, but uh, I, I did host <laughs> a podcast many, many years ago called Ranger Cast, and I'm not in fan journalism. I'm uh, working for the man, Media Relations for Hospital, so I don't have any anything to plug. I'm sorry. It's all good. Just... Happy to hear a friendly voice and and get some more perspective on uh, Dino Fury. Oh, yeah. Happy to pitch in. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly, last but not least, Chris Long. What's going on, Chris? What's up, buddy? Save the best for last. Let's see how it is. I like it. (laughs) So I think we got some news to talk about, uh, mainly comic book news. Nothing new aside from everything that came out for Power Rangers related in April. On April 13th, we had Mighty Morphin issue 18, which kicks off the Charge to 100 event. And I think we mentioned this last episode, but basically this is leading up to the legacy numbering that carried on from issue 55 of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers before the split happened. And ever since the split happened, all the B covers have been in a legacy format which continues the numbering from 55. And we are approaching by September, we will get to that Legacy 100 issue. No clue if the books are going to merge again back into a single title or what's happening there. Of course, you've got a new writer for the franchise, Matt Groom from the Ranger Danger podcast. He's over on Mighty Morphin. And of course, for Power Rangers sticking around is Ryan Parrott, also part of that uh, massive universe with his new comic, Rogue Sun. And so by the end of September, we should find out what's going on. But any predictions if they're going to merge the title or what do you guys think? Are you keeping up with the comics? I honestly have not because there's so many different lines and, you know, I don't get out to the comic shop as much as I used to. I'm up to date on Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers. And I believe the newest Power Rangers came out today. Yes. And I was able to catch up on that this morning. They're t- they're tapping into a lot of the stuff they tapped into earlier with uh, In Space, mm-hmm. which, you know, is obviously another very popular season. So I'm excited to see how far they're willing to go with that thread. Because obviously we have that, um, that Andros origin story coming out in a few months. I forget. Um, yeah, the countdown to ruin. Countdown to Ruin, that's right. And that's in June. That's right. And I think that's going to help lead into whatever they got planned for this Countdown to 100. I think Countdown to 100 kind of reflects Countdown to Destruction. I think there's going to be a lot of exciting in-space content coming up. Yeah, just to bounce off of what Tyler was saying, yeah, for sure. I I agree. I think we're going to see a lot in space, which is a favorite season of many. So that's always playing to a crowd favorite. I would honestly really like to see them merge the comics back um, to a mainline Mm -hmm. one. And maybe we could even get, you know, even more of the universe or different other iterations, one shots and stuff like that to fill that space. But yeah, it is a lot to keep up with as Tyler W was saying, because there's just so much, but I have a six-year-old who is as much or more into the comics as I am. And so we read them together and stuff. So he keeps me on track. He's like, 
I, I, we go to the comic shop. I'm like, which one do we need? And he's like, daddy, we were at issue 18. I'm like, okay, cool. Got it. <laughs> so, um, nice. yeah, no, I haven't actually picked up the one today. It takes a couple of weeks for my comic shop to catch up. They don't get the releases on the day of, but, uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, this countdown to 100 and I really hope they do something big for the hundredth comic or something. If whether it's like some kind of universe thing that they bring in more power Rangers or just like a big reveal or something, something cool like that, that would probably be my prediction for it. So the big payoff at 100 is it gets canceled. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think in general though, I think it's great that Matt groom got the gig because it's somebody who is you know, one of us and be, I guess you, you take or leave that because there have been, you know, good showrunners, bad showrunners who, who emerged from the community or good writers, I should say, bad writers. But um, also the fact that he is, you know, already out there in the fandom, folks probably are used to not hassling him the way that they uh, hassled Ryan Parrott. Right. And he tweeted a lot about that. Yeah. And, and we've definitely talked about that on the show before. I'm glad Ryan's like, moving down to one issue because he was doing two issues every month, which, you know, on top of all the other stuff that he was doing for rogue son. So uh, it's just probably a massive weight off his shoulders. And yeah, Matt groom uh, has been doing really good so far. I really like the introduction of kind of some of the more references to not just mighty Morphin, but some of the universe, like, Dr. Michael Zaskin from, from Time Force bringing in some name drops and the Lion Galaxy coming up, which is from Ninja Steel. So really tying everything together and taking advantage of the broad universe that Power Rangers is. Yeah. Countdown to 100 is going to be, they're going to hype it up really big and then they're going to give us 13 pages. Charge to 100. Charge to 100. <laughs> or, yeah, charge to 100. <laughs> I know we're so focused on, like, countdown, like, countdown to destruction. <laughs> Sorry, countdown to yeah. yeah. And, you know, I would say that, like, it's a benefit to have somebody who knows the history of the show and all that. But Ryan Parrott, you know, did fine, despite the fact that, like, this show doesn't have, I think it was Jackie or somebody who said a while back, there was no series Bible. Right. That's the thing we got to remember. Like Power Rangers was like when it was being written, I mean, they were just pulling in concepts all over the place. And, you know, we've got this like mishmash of, of continuity, but somehow it, it still works. And, you know, we're going to talk about Dino Fury in a bit, but I think Dino Fury is taking some of those concepts and weaving it back into the show. And then, Power Rangers issue 18 came out today, and we just dropped a preview first look of Power Rangers Universe issue 5 of the uh, six-issue limited series. Also next week on April 27th, Godzilla vs. Power Rangers issue 2 from IDW, which... I still need to read the first issue of that. I'm I'm really behind. I tried looking for it in my comic shop and it, they were all sold out. So I'm that's just, a good sign. It's a good sign. I mean, the yeah, it's doing well apparently. Yeah, I haven't picked that one up just based on the art. Honestly, like the yeah. buff dude art. Yeah, yeah, I don't really like it either. It's like the old Bandai action figures with like the carved in six pack. <laughs> Very paper cuts. Very paper cuts. Yeah. yeah from back mm-hmm. in the yeah. day. When I do go to my comic shop, I walk up with a stack of comics. I'm not even sure if, if I have all the most recent ones because they're just kind of all there. <laughs> but uh, it's also where I go to gawk at, you know, whatever very used 
uh, Power Rangers toys they have kicking around, or you'll see an old Sentai toy look, look up the shelf and be like two hundred bucks. And I'm like, she will, she will be mine, Garth. She will be mine. <laughs> yeah, my my shop's got everything from like Sentai edition Ranger keys to like old Mighty Morphin party hats from the '90s. There is just a wide range of quality and like ages of pr stuff there yeah i've sold some random stuff to mine yeah there's an og titanus sitting at my comic shop right now like the original one and it's they they want like 200 or something for it i'm like i can't give you 200 but yeah if it gets to the point where you want to like deal on it i'll i'll talk about it and they're just not to that point yet but they thought they bought all of that thinking that i would buy it all because i'm their power ranger guy at the comic shop so (laughs) they had like a dragon zord they have the Titanus and a Falcon Zord and a Shogun Zord and all this stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm the Power Ranger guy at my shop, and I just he does not have the stock. Like he he got like a bunch of like Power Ranger pogs and and some slammers or no, it wasn't slammers. It was like the um, the spin. Oh yeah, the spin top things, and he tried to pawn those off on me. I'm like, oh. they're cool, but I'm not I'm not, not collecting happening. those. <laughs> I wanted to say Beyblades, but I know it's not Beyblades. Yeah, so that's like the precursor. Yeah. What were they called? I had some of those. I think for a while uh, during the Panini, I was getting issues delivered, like mailed to me from Boom, which, you know, is an option. It's a bit pricey, but considering like without car at the moment, it seemed like a good idea. I just kind of forgot to re-up and just forgot entirely for a while. And for those of you who are just, I mean, we when we record this podcast, it's probably no, we're doing this on Zoom. And I was having microphone issues, and I keep kind of thinking the mic is plugged in. It's not <laughs> I keep over over to it, you know, like 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 Tom Hanks that one celebrity Jeopardy where he keeps trying to talk it to his pen. <laughs> it's just an old habit for podcasters. We got to lean into into the mic. So that's Power Ranger comics. We'll keep up to date. I'm a little bit behind on the actual reviews uh, for the site. Kind of lost a little bit of momentum after Power Rangers Universe Issue 4. That series just is not grabbing me as as much as I thought it would. Yeah. Same. It's it's just really slow, I think. Like, we finally just got, like, at the end of the last issue, what you've been waiting for. And it's like, okay, cool. But then it was over. So it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. slow. I'm like, is this a Disney Plus series? (laughs) (laughs) Five and six are just going to be wild. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're going to be all over the place. I think they would have benefited a lot if they had kept the Die Ranger suit a secret. You know what I mean? Like if they weren't advertised as being like, hey, right. here's the Squadron Rangers. And then they had appeared at the end of um, end of issue four, right? They had the yeah, Die the, the fully morphed. Yeah. If they showed up as a surprise, people would be cool. like, oh, wow. Holy cow. Did y'all see this? Yeah. That would have really kind of done something. But because they kind of advertised it like, hey, here are the Die Rangers. And now we have a black Die Ranger suit. But you got to really wait until we're three quarters of the way through the series until you can see them in action. Like, I think that's kind of what's bringing a lot of people down. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm pretty sure they only advertised them because someone leaked them before they were ready. (laughs) So I don't think they meant they may have meant to keep them a surprise, but they kind of showed it off at that at that one. It wasn't like a fan first Friday, but they they showed it off as (laughs) what's that? (laughs) (laughs) But no, they did show off the concept artwork and they were kind of hinting at, at the Black Die Ranger stuff. So it's whatever. I think there is better ways to build up that hype and maybe change the structure. But who knows? These last two issues may change my mind completely. I don't know. It's going to be hard, though. I just want them to 
like use this to introduce them and then put them in the regular series somewhere. That's what I'm looking for. I don't know cool. if it'll happen, but I would like it. Yeah, if they somehow tie that, like whatever happens, and then all of a sudden the Morphin Masters or whatever come back and they're like full squadron mode for whatever the charge to 100 is going to be, that'd be cool. I would like to see them bring back like the Solar Rangers to bring back these squadron rangers and if you're truly gonna have a big universal threat again in the comics then pull out all the stops for 100 Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if charge to 100 is a very specific word because i feel like there's so many other words you could use like maybe i know we already have the thunder zords but like the die rangers go with the thunder zords technically Mm -hmm. maybe there's some kind of foreshadowing or i don't know i'm just making stuff up but i feel like maybe charge is used Specifically. specifically as like a hint we'll see yeah i'm a sucker for those covers in the universe series the mainline covers with just the different rangers and stuff those are cool hyperforces canon it's dan mora so (laughs) yeah you can't hate on that and they also have some good variants like they're doing those dark ranger variants and the one for five is korag oh cool it just looks amazing so i'm gonna have to seek out that variant and and get that somehow i love that uh glitchy variant they did for issue two where it's like all kind of in like different suits, but they're glitching a little bit and like showing off like, yeah, know, MMPR green with like a little bit of a uh, Ninja Storm green. That's cool. with, yeah. It was, it was really sick. Yeah. And it kind of references back to the emissaries with their kind of switching between different Ranger forms. So yeah. I really like that connection. Well, uh, next up, Hasbro released their first quarter 2022 financial results. Power Rangers uh, was mentioned a couple times in the entertainment segment, as well as they had their own little blurb. Uh, We're not going to spend too much time on this, but they have their full press release for all those details. If, If you're a financial nerd, you can look at that. We'll have that. Those links in the show notes. But overall, their entertainment segment Uh, Their revenue increased by 4%. Revenue increased 5%, excluding a negative 1 million impact on foreign exchange. Family brand revenues were up 23%, driven by multi-title renewal with Netflix for My Little Pony, Transformers, and Power Rangers franchises, as well as revenue from the delivery of Transformers BotBots to Netflix (laughs) in the quarter. (laughs) Who would have guessed? Yeah, are, are they out of themes? Is it not just bots? I know beast bots or bot bots. They're like little desk toys. <laughs> oh, gotcha. No, I don't know why they gave it a cartoon, but sorry, I, I never watched Transformers except for a few movies. No, that's like, fine. No, I, I don't know what a bot bot is. Don't either. start with bot bots <laughs> if you're going to. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of disguising as cars, they decide they disguise as less conspicuous robots. I, I don't know. <laughs> It's just like little household items. They have all kinds of crazy stuff. One of them is like a roll of toilet paper. One of them is a spray <laughs> bottle. <laughs> like they're meant to just be like little. I can't tell if you're joking. That's how little I know about. He's hundred really percent serious. Because <laughs> I saw those at toy at the last toy fair I went to, and I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> I, I've done a 180 on bot bots. I love them now. <laughs> <laughs> So specifically for Power Rangers, they had their own uh, mini section in the press release. So their revenue was up in the first quarter. The first 11 episodes of season two of Power Rangers Dino Fury live action TV series premiered in select markets around the world. The show ranked among the top 10 most watched kids shows on Netflix in all the markets it launched in and in the U.S. maintained its position for two consecutive weeks post-launch, which... 
sounds pretty good because there's no other metric to base it on. I mean, to be fair, the revenue being up for Power Rangers is just due to selling Josh multiple variants and the overall (laughs) (laughs) Also, like how much competition does Power Rangers have in terms of kids shows on Netflix? New kids shows on Netflix. Not sure what else was coming out around that same time. And I guess all we're going to get in terms of specifics about Power Rangers is revenue up. It's not like, you know, going through Bandai's financials like we used to trying to divine how much came from Sentai mm-hmm. and from therefore from Power Rangers as well. Yeah, there's there's not going to be a lot of that. And for people like Burgundy Ranger, Berg, who kept such good track of, you know, the ratings throughout the years, I mean, his site is just, you know, a time capsule of, of all those ratings and charts. And now that's gone because Netflix, they don't give out their viewership numbers. Right. Netflix is a black box. Netflix will just cancel stuff anyway. Right. So who knows if Power Rangers is going to meet that same fate or, you know, after kind of season 30, it was it or or the Entwistle stuff. But they did say this last point, they did say compelling new content supported with new kid and fan focused products. So pretty much just saying nothing that we already knew. It's just like, Wait and see some yeah. more. <laughs> I think like something that, you know, I'm not going to like get into a lot of the, the rumors and stuff that have nothing to them anyway, but I think something that the fan first Tuesday was Tuesday. Was it, wasn't it reminded me is that like when power Rangers was owned by, by Saban for better or worse, you know, even if the show wasn't great, it was owned by a company, that, you know, wouldn't, end it and we wouldn't just make it just another thing they do and sometimes i worry if power rangers is becoming just not a line item for hasbro even though they paid 500 million dollars for it but then again they did hire jonathan Entwistle to do all this stuff and i guess jury's out i think that for me personally i either i'm tired of the same old saban stuff so i either want them to put out something new that might fail or just end it at 30 and just close the doors yeah. on the, the continuation because it's just the, turning into the same thing. Dino Fury has been a step in the right direction, but we don't know if it's going to keep going that way. And so I, I think as an old fan, I'm just ready for something new in general, whether it's animated, whether it's even if it's a PJ mask or Spidey and his amazing friends, my kids will love that and enjoy it. Right. If yeah. it's something like that, like, well, I think, you know, the idea is that's why they hired Jonathan Entwistle. And I'm excited to see what he does. But my worry is if the mainline show ends, it seems like there's something that's casting in New Zealand, some like, you know, short thing, but COVID and what have you might be impossible to, to shoot a full season in New Zealand anyway, but we'll see. I mean, they might go the route of Teen Titans where it was, you know, Teen Titans, very serious, like kind of recreation of like comic book to teen titans go which is very very silly and the name's already kind of built in power rangers go go don't put ideas in there (laughs) (laughs) but i mean there's room for like a silly cartoony kid series and a sentai adaptation you know what i mean and original content like and original content i think they could expand this brand a lot more if they if they really really wanted to 
And I if think they, they reboot do. it. It's just, yeah. it takes time to really develop those things and bring them out, even though it feels like Hasbro's had PR for a very, very long time. It's only been a couple of years. So I think right. yeah. once the 30th anniversary hits, that's when that's what they're kind of saving up a lot of these thousands for. It just feels like they've had it for 10 years because of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder you know, how much not just the pandemic has affected the, the delaying going for a full court press. The purchase of Power Rangers was spearheaded by Brian Goldner, who's no longer with us. And what were things that he would have done had he not gotten sick or would have seen through had he not gotten sick? Yeah. And with a change like that, you wonder like what the priorities are for the people that uh, replaced him. But then again, you know, we've got this Jonathan Entwistle where, you know, he's been put in charge of creating like a whole new type of universe and I don't think a lot of people realize how much time that takes just in not only the planning, but the pre-production. And I know we're all chomping at the bit to to find something, but I agree with Tyler MC. Like, I think they're saving that kind of big energy for the 30th anniversary. And this October, it will be two years since they officially announced that Jonathan Entwistle's kind of taken over this new era for Power Rangers. And I think people have to keep in mind that, you know, the pre-production for multiple projects like this just takes a long time. And I think they probably use the pandemic to really develop something. And we'll see whenever whatever is announced, what the quality is. But I'm kind of optimistic in that way, because the longer that something kind of cooks like this, the potential is that it could be really nice, that that final product could be amazing. Yeah, I was saying earlier, I think a reboot for the brand is what it needs to survive because you think about how many different forms of media they have for Spider-Man. So they have Mm -hmm. it all the way from Spidey and his amazing friends to Spider-Man for PS4, where it's really adult aimed and all that kind of stuff. And my kids love across the forms of media, but really, I mean, Power Rangers is, is aimed at kids and my kids age group. They love the show. They love this, but they also love those other things. So they loved PJ Masks. They love Spidey. They love this. So I think that building a new universe is what they need to do to save it. Because if it keeps going like this, I just think it's eventually going to crash and burn because they're not going to grow from that. But having forms of media for all ages, whether it's Entwistle's adult aimed Netflix product or a kid's show, I think that's going to be a really good thing for the brand in general. And it'll kind of give it the one last swing of like, hey, let's see if we can really make this a, a household name with kids this day and age. And that's pretty much how all forms of entertainment, especially right. like with with Hasbro and their other properties, Transformers has, right. you know, BotBots, you know, something aimed at preschool. They've got the movies that are aimed for adults. They've got other mature like television shows. So they kind of broaden the range of, of entertainment. And I think, yeah, Mason is, is correct. Like in order for them to continue on and, and branch out. I think after 30 years, they, they need to mix up the formula a little bit. And I think there's still room for Sentai adaptations if that's the route they want to go. But mix that in with all the other projects. You can have a mix. The complicated thing, though, is we know from back when Disney owned the franchise that there are things that toy under their contract can veto and did veto. Make a new contract. <laughs> I don't think... Hasbro has any intention of continuing the Sentai adaptations because I think for them doing their own animation is much easier. I think, I mean, if you look at all their other properties, 
everything else that they own, and I'm not talking Star Wars or, or Marvel because those are just licensed from Disney. Disney is right. the one making those shows and footing the bill for that. Everything else they have is animation, and that's just easier for them to do. They already have partnerships with animation houses. Then they don't have to listen to Toei or worry about any rules or any of that stuff. I mean, they have the rights to do from MMPR through, I guess, Dino Fury if they want. But, I mean, if you look at Transformers, you look at G.I. Joe, they just take the same 10 characters and just do new cartoons with them year after year after year. That's what they're going to do with MMPR. They're just going to make a cartoon for it. <laughs> and it, they might have a kiddie version. They might have an adult version but it's, or one that appeals to both. But I really think that's that's what they know. And I think that's what they're that's the way they want to go. I think they're kind of treading the water right now with this 30th anniversary. Yeah, well, one of the reasons they bought E1 was you know they had more experience with live action, producing their own stuff. I mean, I guess, but I just don't really think that's going to happen. Like I said, they can have E1 and whatnot, but they'd still have to be chained to Toei, and I don't think that interests them. Yeah. How much of it being Power Rangers without the toy contract can Power Rangers still exist? I mean, they kind of have proof of concept of that with the comic books. Right. Because it's co-owned brand, isn't it? If you think about it, the comic books are cartoons. No, no. I mean, like, it's co-owned brand. Like, if, if the contract goes away, doesn't the brand go away? It's, it's uh, you know, a bit more tied up. Than, it's kind, kind of like the, you know, Transformers and Takotomi. I don't think so. I mean, I mean, once again, I pull up comic books. You got the Omega Rangers. No ties to Sentai there whatsoever, but they're very clearly. No, no. I'm referring to the brand. The Power Rangers name. Hasbro owns Power Rangers. They bought it from Saban. Anything Power Rangers in name, in copyright, that's all Hasbro now. And, you know, we have to prepare ourselves whether they negotiate a new deal with Toei or they ditch Toei completely. We have to be prepared for either possibility. And I think with all the, the rumors and stuff flying out there, but either way, we have to be prepared for both scenarios as, as fans, because at the end of the day, we don't know what was negotiated or, or what wasn't. And I think if Toei's not involved anymore, then they're not involved anymore. And whether that means we create all U.S. licensed or live version does something different. And I get it. I mean, the show's been running on a formula for 30 years that has a unique look and feel, and it's one of the most unique franchises in entertainment history. And it's it's one of the most uniquely produced as well. And whether they choose to carry on that formula or don't, kind of have to be prepared for either scenario. So yeah, I, I wanted the financial results to be a little quick discussion, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. think I, I just think, you know, whatever the the future of of Power Rangers is, I think it's clear that just from what we see from fans that are in our group on Twitter, people are just hungry for information and, and people are hungry for whatever new info yeah. comes out. I think bringing it back to the kids with the with a reboot too is because people like our fan group we just see constant criticism and this and that and da, 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 da. so if they're just rolling with mmpr selling toys to kids giving a little fan service to the adults with the lightning collection or whatever and moving on i think that's what the brand needs because it needs to appeal to its age group because my kids love it because i'm a big fan but like right. other kids don't and it's not their favorite thing to watch so if they can put something on netflix that my son will find organically 
and just watch the hell out of it for, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours. And then when we're at the store, daddy, I want that toy. And then I buy him the toy, you know, like that's just how it worked for us as kids with Power Rangers back in the day. That's what will help Power Rangers survive. And that's what I feel like they want to do with it as well. And honestly, even if whatever new Power Ranger thing happens doesn't appeal to me, if two Halloweens from now, I see dozens and dozens of Rangers and happy kids in my neighborhood dressed as Power Rangers, that's going to make me so happy. That's the next generation. Absolutely. That's exactly what I want to see because it's not for us anymore, honestly. (laughs) And I've got a son that's going to be born in a couple months. And, you know, of course, five years from now, I want him to discover Power Rangers because, hey, that's that's what dad likes. And I want there to be new content for him that, you know, we can both explore and, and enjoy and all of that. And I think I always tie it back to Star Trek. Like, Star Trek has had this resurgence in the last five years with new shows and new content that appeal multiple shows like to kids, to teenagers, to adults, to old fans, to new fans. That's the model. That's what's going to keep a brand around for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. Right. So we'll see. (laughs) Sorry, didn't mean to drag that out. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, it's it's a good discussion to have. I didn't mean to sidetrack everything. No, no, no. It's just, it's something that I think we as a fandom just need to remind ourselves that as long as we're patient, we'll find out when they want us to find out and, you know, whatever new content. I just want to be excited for something, no matter what it is. I just want to see that hype grow. So, yeah. So, Dino Fury uh, Season 2, we got uh, four episodes that we're kind of going to review tonight. And... First up is episode four, Tiny Trouble, the fourth episode of Dino Fury season two and the 26th episode overall for the series. It's the second and final part of a two-part story of Void Knight achieving, awakening his love Santora by capturing the final Sporex. It features the debut of the Paka Smash Zord and Baby Paka Zord since their flashback in Destination Dino Henge. Also marks the debut of the Dino Fury Megazord Smash Formation, the Smash Battle Armor, and the Grow Dino Key. This was written by Becca Barnes, Awandale, Maya Thompson, with teleplay by Maya Thompson, directed by Charlie Haskell. Ion reconnects with a shrunken Zord, but Oculo and Wreckmate try chasing it down for Void Knight's secret plan. I like this one. This is a bit of a fun episode. I know everyone that was on the cast and including Simon Bennett was really hyping up baby Paca. And I think this episode lived up to the hype. Insanely cute. Uh, I would say the cutest Zord ever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as long as you don't think too hard about how Zords reproduce. That was so (laughs) weird. (laughs) I have that as a note. I'm not sure how blue we're going to get on this podcast, but that's a discussion that someone needs to have sometime. (laughs) Well, I assume that's why it's called the pack of smash, right? Because they're talking about the reproductive element. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. I mean, otherwise, it's kind of a terrible name. I mean, in Japan, it was called Packy Guru because it was kind of half a Packy and a kangaroo. That's why it lives in the pouch. And that's why it has the boxing gloves. And they're just like, yeah, we're going to decide stuff all that and just throw smash or whatever generic term we can throw in there. <laughs> I did like the the storyline where Ion was so convinced that it was just a miniaturized version of his of his Zord. He was so focused on 
trying to like get it to remember or like trying to reconnect only to find out that no, it's, it's a baby. And I don't know how Zords reproduce. I don't know how that happens. Is it, (laughs) is it like an asexual reproduction? Like, like a cell splitting, like, Oh, here I am. I have I mean, no there idea. There isn't a Mr. Packazord anywhere, as far as I know. <laughs> well, there was, but he went out to get cigarettes and never came back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I did enjoy the connections that Ion had to this Zord in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of wish there was a bit more show, don't tell. Like, there was a right. lot of like, no, I know this Zord better than anyone. Like, we have a tight connection. And I just, I want like a flashback to Rafcon of him like playing fetch yeah. with the full size Packazord, like yeah, just throwing yeah. a stick and then like a single foot comes down. I understand they didn't have the money for it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I feel sure. the same way too about the um, the balloon fight where he's um, sitting there. He's like, I've been training since before any of you even existed. I'm just going to eat these donuts instead. I wish they had like proven, like he had just like taken out like his morpher and just shot all the balloons and had like a really great yeah. moment of like, I have been training. I don't need to work on this. I'm going to eat these donuts. You know what I mean? Like I kind of wish yeah, that yeah. had been proven a bit more. I mean, really he needs to train to work off all those donuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and did anyone else really want donuts after that scene? Cause I was like, oh, <laughs> I really want a giant donut specifically. Right? Yeah. I, the way he was fascinated with earth food reminds me, you know, I'm not sure which past ranger, but I feel like we've seen that in the show before. Probably Tizon from from Overdrive, like someone that's just mm-hmm. so fascinated with you know Earth and being a ranger. I think that it kind of reminds me of Tizon a bit. I first thought that. actually goes to Mast Rider with Prince Dax eating that uh, yeah. dust oh, box, yeah, like just go. biting there into it. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> I knew, I knew it seemed familiar from somewhere, but was not thinking. How did you not think of Furbus immediately? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Or Andros. Andros had a couple moments like that in in space. Yeah, Andros. Andros. But I wasn't sure if like, you know, if chowing down was really his thing. Right. What I don't like about about Ion is just in these in these few episodes, like even the early on in in the season, he's just like really, really sure of himself all the time, which don't get me wrong. Confidence is great, but really playing up more that he's like new to earth, even more than they did with Zato. And I'm trying to like kind of reconcile that because Ion is, is definitely not what I expected when it came to the sixth Ranger so far. Yeah. I I think for me, it feels like they're, they're best friends, right? So they're so opposite that they kind of level each other out. And we've seen that through the episodes with yeah. Ion coming around or Zato coming around and Ion helping Zato and stuff like that. So I, for me, I like, I feel oppositely. I really like the Ion character. I think he brings a lot to the team in, in just like humor and like showing once again, I bring it back to the kids. Cause I'm like, where's, where's the lesson yeah. here for the kids, you know? And it's showing like being overconfident is not good all the time, but he learns from his mistakes as he sees and, you know, different things and stuff too. So I, uh, 
wish he had better ADR, but, but I really do like the character of Ion. <laughs> I think that's what bothers me sometimes too, is, is just the, the kind of the off ADR, especially when he was morphed. But I, I do like Ion, but there's some things that take me out of the moment. Like yeah. I, I get the fourth wall breaking, but he's like, oh, and this grow ranger key, or, you know, buy <laughs> yeah. now. Here's more toys you'll never buy. I like that callback to like, to watching like infomercials and stuff. I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of, of the Twitch Power Rangers marathon where everybody said like, mom, get the credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing with Ion though, is just, it's like the character doesn't match the fiction of somebody who is like, he should have confidence. He's battle hardened. Right. He has literally fought the Sporex before and won. Yeah. You know, like he's been there. He's done that. And they had that great episode uh, towards the end of season two, where him and Zato were having those nightmares and had a great heart to heart about like everything they experience, but that kind of gets pushed aside every now and again for like his really great silly moments. But mm-hmm. it's it's hard to like merge those two ideas of the character into one and to see like why is he silly sometimes, but also very introspective and a survivor the other times, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of the humor is very Saban. Mm-hmm. You can see that. Uh, you know it when you see it. Yeah. One thing I want to say about that balloon fight is one that looked really fun, and I want yeah. to do that <laughs> <laughs> next party. No, um, and then the choreography for that scene and the way it was shot. Like watching this season just organically on Netflix is a different experience from seeing yeah. it in syndication. How you know, obviously HD. Nickelodeon didn't always provide the best HD quality watching live on TV, but uh, you know, just the, the different lens flares and things when they're hiding behind the tree and the choreography of like the flip that uh, Ollie does to take out Amelia, you know, and stuff like that. I was, that was super cool. I, you know, I just really appreciate those type of things. I really like how they take advantage of the locations. Like I've always yeah. liked Dino Henge, like that forest, those props. So whenever they do those like overhead shots, the, those overhead crane shots, or I don't know if they're using a drone or, you know, those, those kind of shots just really look nice and, and really frame a fight like this. I, I enjoyed the, the unmore fight. I think that was unique. And I was like seeing Rangers train to be Rangers. And we've seen that a lot in Dino Fury where just every chance they get, they're getting more training practice in. And I like that something that I feel like that's what Zato kind of drills into them because like he's their uh, second generation team. Yeah. They're not just, Oh, we have these abilities right off the bat. They actually train for them and make it seem like mm-hmm. it's a, you know, a real thing, which is cool. One of the things I really liked in this episode was just the villains. I like that they've kept Oculo around and his ability to find all the Sporex and also just the Rangers can never get a break in surprising him because he's literally has eyes everywhere. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great way to confirm that all the Sporex have been collected. Yeah. You know, like there's a scene where he comes into the base. He's like, here's the last Sporex boss. I am absolutely positive. No more Sporex. I, I think it's like Floyd Knight has 17, like the Rangers of 12 at this point. So it's it's just the perfect monster to kind of confirm that they've all been collected. Yeah, and counting um, Mucus, who's also a Sporex, that makes 30 total Sporex. So I like that there's like a consistent 
number and things like Ranger Wiki kind of keeping track of like who has what. And now looking back, it all totals up now to like that 29 uh, number and including mucus, that's 30. So I just like even the internal continuity of that. There's not suddenly magical more Sporex appearing right. out of nowhere. It's like, a, it's a very set defined number. And I like that you can kind of keep score between Void Knight and and the Rangers. It's like the writers actually cared from episode to episode, the continuity. <laughs> <laughs> I think standout for me of the episode was the ending. I mean, <laughs> it was over. No, I'm just kidding. No, at, the <laughs> end, <laughs> at the end, just the, I love this whole Void Knight Centaur storyline, you mm-hmm. know, that they've been building since day one, that payoff of her opening her eyes, you know, finally we got that payoff after all the episodes and stuff. I thought, I thought that was just a cool moment. And it was kind of, it's kind of a little bit scary. Too. It's, it's <laughs> creepy. It's, scary. I was going to say yeah. like, she's creepy in that too, but yeah. I'm just thinking to myself, like, why is this bargain basement Paul Rudd in love with his white Walker? That's that's the quote of the episode right there. No, I just, I really like her design because it's almost like Tarek is kind of more human, but whatever happened to Centora, I don't know if she's a different alien species than him or what, but she's got those like crazy white contacts. And yeah. when she like opened them up like that, I'm like, good Lord, like, whoa, you're, you're creepy. That might also be Sporic's corruption of some kind. Like she might have looked more like Tarik beforehand, but because she was revised using like Sporic's energy, she might be a little bit more suffused with that than the average person or average alien. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how they're not just making her, you know, like, oh, she just looks like a normal human coming out of this tube she's been in for years, you know? Like she looks like she's been in that tube for a long she's time. She's freezer burn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and those uh those white contacts man that that legitimately scared my children that point oh in the really show. yeah they were like i don't know if we can watch that scene like so i mean i love when they do stuff like that i love when they scare my kids no <laughs> 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 no but i uh i just appreciate that while this is a kid's show you can really tell simon and the crew are really trying to do a lot of fan service here and make us want to watch it is at our age too yeah absolutely Personally, I, I really like the design of the uh, Paka Smash Zord. And I like that connection that was able to happen because Ollie was more connected to it. And I liked how humble Ion was in kind of like saying, look, I made a mistake. You figured out the mystery. You did it. Like, you've earned this moment. So he really earns that armor. And I think that Dino Key and that armor just look amazing. It, it's one of my favorites. And I think Ollie also did a great job of stepping up and kind of showing that he's the brains of the team. You know, he uses mm-hmm. like, like the hearing dino key. He uses the sight dino key. Like he actually uses these power ups in a very strategic way. I've got some opinions on Ollie we'll talk about. And so do I. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> One of my favorite in this situation, he stepped up and kind of proved that he was like, something's not logical going on here with what I am saying isn't matching up with what's actually happening. Let's use our keys to enhance our senses to figure out what's up. One of the things uh, that 
I really enjoyed that going back to the beginning of the episode. I just really liked the kind of Ant-Man sequence that they did with the the grow key. I thought from a visual perspective and just from a humor perspective, that was a really entertaining sequence. Like the whipped cream getting huge and then just like kind of spraying everyone. And it's nice when they can infuse those comedy moments, like Simon has said in the past, not just with the quote unquote comedic characters. And I think in the situation, it was, it was really hilarious, especially the giant, the giant donut. I thought that was great. (laughs) But it is true. Like slapstick comedy can be funny, but it does seem like when it's done with the other two characters, it's so boring and like not thought out or no effort put into it. But like Zeta, when he got hit with the whipped cream, Oh my God. And then they're all talking. And then he like walks back in frame with like the most dejected face I've ever seen. And he's just like, (laughs) Let's go back to base. Yes. And he just like hits his teleport. He's just so pissed. It was perfect deadpan. Yeah, it was great. It was like that was like still physical comedy, but actually funny. Whereas the other two, it's always just what can we throw at them or what can we put in their face or. Yeah. And we'll talk about, there's a moment we'll talk about, or I was not a fan of what happened with Jane and Jay Borg, but that's, that's later. <laughs> I feel like slapstick humor is, being kind of overused when it comes to the Rangers. Slapstick humor is why you have side characters like Jane and Jay Borg, in, and in theory, the Victor and Montes, and of course, the, who did better than Bulk and Skull. But I feel like Jane and Jay Borg are not getting as much to do as you know their counterparts from seasons past in terms of bearing the weight of, of the slapstick. But, you know, it's a give and take because there's another episode coming up where Jane actually does have play a key role in the plot. And it isn't something slapstick. Right. And that's what I was going to mention. It's something that plays very serious. So unless there is anything about anything else about Tiny Trouble, I I think we can move on. So episode five stitched up 27th episode overall, fifth episode of season two marking the debut of Santora and reveals the true identity of Void Knight while also hinting at their past. Story by Alan Dale, Becca Barnes, Maia Thompson, and Guy Langford. Teleplay by Maia Thompson. Directed by Robin Grace, who in the first block, that was like her first directing debut, so she continues her directing here. Izzy gets frustrated about the outfit her mom designed for the prom. The Rangers also battle a Sporex with an appetite for trash okay so i i I loved this episode i thought that izzy's plot was extremely extremely well done i love how they've handled izzy and i love how they they've handled her being out and how you know uh you know there's no simple misunderstanding at, at the heart of the episode and just all about love and doing what's best and I also like the idea of it not being a happy reunion with Tarek and Centaur. Yeah. What I will say is I'm so glad we have a full parental unit in Power Rangers again. Like when, when we saw Izzy's mom, Izzy and Javi's mom, I was like, this is great. This is awesome. I was going to ask. That's the first time we've seen her, right? Yes. Yes. Because I'll be honest, I was confused. I thought it was Ollie's mom at first when she first mm. popped up from the bush. And I'm like, why is she there? And then they're like, no, this is their mom. I'm like, oh, okay. We've never seen her before, right? I'm very confused. <laughs> yeah, and she, she was great. And, you know, we find out because they're step-siblings, 
So Simon confirmed that Warden Garcia, that's his dad, uh, Izzy's mom, that's Izzy's mom, and then they got married and now they're step-sibling. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so that's children cool. from previous relationships, but now... The so, same last name. Same, yeah, so she took Warden Garcia's last name, now they're step-siblings. So they said they were step-siblings in the first season, kind of that promotional... Uh, material, but we didn't really know oh. the relationship until now. And so, but they have the same last name. Yeah, they have the same last name. So they just, so he like adopted. Yeah. Yeah. He adopted her kind of thing. Gotcha. Okay. That's cool. I didn't know that. That's really neat. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. Simon clarified that when these episodes came out. And you know, Izzy is also clearly Warden Garcia's favorite child like i mean that develops a little bit more in a couple episodes but that also adds like an additional layer of kind of sweetness to that Mm -hmm. that like he is so proud of her and her accomplishments almost to a like toxic level almost kind of towing (laughs) that line but like also the fact that like you know that's his like stepdaughter and he is so involved in her life Mm -hmm. and you know we haven't seen so much of their mom be involved in hobby's life but like seeing Warren Garcia and Izzy, like, and knowing that it's like a stepchild, step parent situation is something that you don't see a lot in TV without there being, you know, some unnecessary conflict. Like, it's just, it is what it is. In it's a sweet, somewhat overbearing relationship. And that's why I like the payoff in the next episode, which we'll talk about, because it's almost like Warden Garcia was ignoring Javi for quite a bit to develop that relationship with his stepdaughter. So I I like how full circle it it all comes together. This was a great episode just in terms of a simple misunderstanding creating this drama. And I thought it was very well done. I really liked how it kind of wrapped up into the plot of the whole episode, especially with this monster uh, Junkalo, which was... Hilarious. He's part of the insane clown posse. Like <laughs> 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 <My> juggle. <laughs> yeah, he's a juggle. I think that might have been what they're going for. And but what I didn't understand is the monster looks to be like a cottage built into the side of a mountain, and for some reason he eats garbage. And I'm like, I understand you have Sentai suits to deal with, but this connection makes no sense to me whatsoever. I gotta take a look at at his design again. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. He's just, yeah. Cottage in a mountain. And he's even got like on his shoes, it's like little staircases to doors. I don't know. Maybe the house is trash. Who knows? I don't know. I just, I loved his catchphrase was I'm a hungry boy. Yes. Yes. I had to write that down. I must be hearing it wrong. But then I no, I'm a hungry boy. Uh, he's hungry. Bedroom <laughs> talk. <laughs> the only thing I was con- like, so I'm like, this monster eats garbage and turns it into useful things. Should we be stopping him? Or right. should we just send him around. And definitely quick? save the world. He's yeah, I'm like, let's just let mm-hmm. him. You know. But then the thing yeah. is, like, he makes all of this <laughs> random metal components, and then they build a Zord jammer that looks to be entirely made of stained glass. So I'm like, I don't really understand how this is helping <laughs> all. But there was a right, small line. There was a small line. Slither painted it. Oh, so it was there right. was like a very, very small line that Slyther is like, and I painted it. Um, <laughs> but I thought oh the same God. thing. Uh, Tyler, your your Slyther impression is off the chain. That was really I cool. thought Slyther was here. Okay. That was weird. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I didn't know he signed in. <laughs> and I'm here. No, but um, 
there, the only thing about Juggalo is that there's some sort of pollution thing with the gas he makes because they were able to trace him through like mm. pollution detectors. Oh, that's so, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He does upcycle, but we don't know how bad that pollution gas can get. So. Just so much methane. We don't. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> A little thing that I noticed, like early in the episode, how good the location scouting was for the Garcia's neighborhood. It looked very suburban American. They did a really yeah. good job finding that house. It's kind of got the the nice fenced in yard and and the garden and and all that stuff. So yeah, it, it totally felt like teen drama, suburban neighborhood, whatever. Yeah. I, I love that moment when they're talking about prom and her mom jumps up from behind the bush like, prom? Yeah. Wait, prom? <laughs> <laughs> and, and how just Classic excited she move. is. And, and they're like, is he's like, okay, mom, like, cool. And uh, just how excited she is to like make the outfits and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I just thought that was a funny moment. I, mean, I just can't talk enough about the cinematography in the show. It's just so good. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like mm-hmm. they they've yeah. upped it for this second half. Yeah. And speaking of that scene in the neighborhood, there's something else that uh that happened in that scene that is like red meat for fans. What's that? Um, the mention of steel. Right. So when they're walking, Izzy does mention that there's this episode that they're watching of Kung Fugitive. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and Steel Silva is the, the actor uh, starring in Kung Fugitive. Oh, that's funny. That went way over my head. I did not even. Yeah, that was that. a Beast Morphers reference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It was only cool, two years ago, which is about 20 years ago in pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, don't remember seriously. a time before. I just hope nobody like overthink. Like, you know, there are a lot of fans who do a lot of overthinking. I still just don't think too hard about it. No, I just I like that shared universe. Yeah, yeah, oh sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a great little nod, and that's that's the type of things like you don't need to have the mm-hmm. actor return. You don't need like all these rangers returning just like little in universe mentions of stuff that's happening. Yeah. And it yeah. gives us a nice update that yeah. steel, you know, has this now successful acting career and, and stunt. Well, we know what a singer he is. So it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. He's triple threat. That's right. That episode where they were like, it was like two episodes ago where they were talking about like all the past ranger weapons. I mean, that was right. obviously just like a little nod for the continuity, but speaking of past episodes, when the dress got ruined, didn't they have like a make everything fixed key that they used like two episodes ago on that flower thing? Fix it, Dino key. But they couldn't use it here because otherwise the episode wouldn't happen. I'm like, don't you have a magic cure all Dino key? No, no, no. Actually, this is a point on on the writers. Void Knight still has the fix it key. Oh, that's right. Oh, he right. stole it for his armor. They never got it back. That's true. Yeah continuity (laughs) and also i like the little mention i I mean i don't know what you guys think about they they know who the beast morpher rangers are in these universes since they're all rangers or do you think that they that's public knowledge like the the that the rangers know who the rangers are i don't think in this situation because steel is presumably acting as his spoiler alert human body so like even if the beast morpher rangers had been like you know public figures steel as a ranger would have been a public figure as you know a robot i think they wouldn't know about his identity unless they contacted the or unless they looked him up in the database so i don't think they're actively looking at the database like ooh, who's all the identities of the of the teams (laughs) i would 
I was wondering if like maybe she mentioned that to Fern, like, oh, I love Steel Silva because he, you know, like no. she doesn't know that she's a ranger. Like, but oh, she's like, right. oh, I want to support my butt, my other ranger friend. You know, I, I, he's so good in that in that movie. They so, didn't know who that Mick was an was. interesting tool. They didn't, or they did. They didn't know who Mick was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah you're right. Interesting. Something to think but, uh, about. I just I want to talk about how great this dress plot really was because it really taps into and I'm the wrong guy to talk about it. I'm not in the LGBTQ plus community, but it 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 creates a uniquely LGBTQ plus experience without the conflict being taking a girl to prom. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's like I grew up feeling wrong as my mom dressed me in these pretty frilly things. And it took a long time for us to get to understand each other. And then she felt kind of, you know, all those feelings flooding back when she opened up that dress. And it's just a real testament to the writers and how they brought in something that's like relatable for everybody, but it's still a unique experience. And just the conflict at the center of that and the speeches that Izzy gave, I haven't seen anything like that in PR before. Right. And that's one reason why I love this episode so much is it because it, it cemented and told you everything you needed to know about the relationship between mom and daughter. And yeah. they were able to grow from that. And the the mom had a growth moment and, and so did Izzy. Yeah. And like the mom's speech back to her, it's emotional intelligence from the mom. Mm-hmm. In saying, hey, like you threw away this thing and ruined this thing that I worked very, very hard on. But I understand this comes from like a place of pain right. in our past and something I'm working to get better on. Let's instead of like being mad about this, she's like, let's work on making a dress for your girlfriend together. Right. And like that is just like some top tier parenting that you don't always see on TV. Yeah. The under the level of understanding there. I think that was that was uh, on both ends, you know, like in the misunderstanding that Izzy had towards her mom and her mom, but her mom didn't like, like you said, she didn't like freak out and be like, well, okay, I'm mad now. Like, how could you think that of me? You know, she was just like the, the speech back to her was very understand. Oh, I get it. I get it. Why don't we work together on this and make it better? You know, it was very, it was a good teaching moment for just everybody involved, you know? And yeah, yeah for parents yeah. and kids. Exactly. Yeah. On the villain side, I really like the progression of uh, Torek and Centora, where she discovers that he's leading this pack of, of Sporex beasts. And I just like that discovery where, you know, she's curious enough because she's been stuck in this room for, you know, years and years. And obviously she's very curious about it. So I, I like the discovery from her in this episode. Yeah. And I liked seeing Tarek as like a wife guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's just like, Hey, you're out of the tube. Like my focus is going to be on you. And then a little bit on like leading these monsters for mm-hmm. like a mean to an end, but like, I'm going to bring you soup. I'm going to make, give you a rope and get make sure you're okay. It's a very like sweet side to him. Yeah. That it's almost painful that it's not returned by mm-hmm. Santora. I wonder if we'll see anything from like before all this happened to her. Way I back. hope so. I really I hope too. so. Yeah. yeah. Some flashbacks. I would love to see some flashbacks. She's so focused on revenge. And I think that's the recency effect. If she's been in this cryo stasis or whatever for so long, those thoughts and that whatever happened 
which we can kind of see from a while away. But, you know, whatever happened in the past, that's for her, that's still fresh. And he's had time to move on and process it to where that's his only focus is just bringing her back. And to the point where he almost forgot what they're trying to revenge for anyway. He's like, yeah, whatever. Let's just focus on us and and get off this planet. Yeah. What he says is like revenge on who, like he doesn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know who, who void that kind of reminds me of this point. Um, Villamax because Villamax had standards too. Right. Yeah. And he's, he's a villain. Like void Knight is a villain where, and I'll have to check or I'll have to, you know, maybe rewatch the first season. Cause you know, at one point, I think it's in this group of episodes where he says, look, I haven't actively been trying to destroy the humans. They're, they're just like in my way because yeah. I just want to get the Sporex piece and get off this rock. Right. So I have to see if he's just, if he's really that focused because the only mm-hmm. problem with humans are the, the Sporex just because they want to destroy everything. And that's why I like the justification where Void Knight has always had his helmet on because he's like, if they find out I'm just like a human, I'm, I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I like, I'm I'm kind of looking at the episodes as we're talking here and you know the way he turns when he sees Centora and like he says to her the only thing that matters is that we're together again yeah. you know like he's like you I know, don't yeah. care about the rest of it like I I want you only only you and I want us to be together you know I love that I, yeah. conflicted villain yeah no, sorry I just realized I guess the fact that he's kind of you know masquerading in a sense he's a bit like Master Org too in yeah. a way it, yeah, yeah it calls back to Master Org where yeah. you know he's kind of disguising as one of them when he's really not for sure yeah it's it's that great villain type that I really like in in Power Rangers I I like a reluctant villain because yeah um especially with and it also reminds me of another purple villain we've had Korag. Uh, from mm-hmm. Mystic Force and just kind of that duality with his character and even that same sense of honor. So purple knights and Power Rangers are cool. <laughs> Change to red eventually. So there you go. <laughs> True. <laughs> Anything else with this episode? I, I just I like the way that uh, the episode ends too. It's a very nice uh, group moment for all of them, and uh, I love whenever they take group pictures like this. It's just kind of like a fun, fun moment. And, and I love how at the end, Ion comes in with the food. He's like holding the plate. Yeah, the I, yes. I was like, did this limo really come with a full croutonet platter? Like, really? Like, He's like, hey, it's free food. But if you've all have ever been in a limo, it's not free. There's no way that's free food. He just, he just saw food and went for it. <laughs> He's like, I've never been in a limo I've actually paid for. So. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that was the photo shoot thing is, uh, you know, not many spoilers got through to me on Twitter before um, actually watching the series, but the photo shoot did. And that actually kind of got me hyped for the series because it's it's just a really, really cute, like prom pictures that, again, normalizing women going to women with prom. And it is fun too. like they're just having a they have great chemistry. They're having a lot of fun with each other. And is it a little weird that they're grown adult friends come out of the limo um, for this high school prom? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But it's PR. <laughs> I think we can hand wave that. Well, hopefully they're not trying to crash the prom. They're just riding. With they're just the riding. Ride. They're just giving them a ride. Yeah. They're just going to show up and be like, hey, what's up, kids? You want to let me in? 
But Javi must be making bank at Buzz Blast to rent out a limo for his sister. Like, that's some well, coin. He still lives with his parents, so it's all disposable income. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you need to rent a limo? A hundred bucks? Two hundred bucks? <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't rented one before, so. <laughs> yeah, Anna, Michael, what could it cost? There's more because of the food. We, we mentioned well, yeah, one, the <laughs> Once he gets the final bill after Ion eats him at a house at home, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, he didn't it's like a mini bar. Those snacks aren't cheap. A mini bar stocked with Krispy Kremes. Yeah, that was the sponsor of Ion's uh, donuts from the last episode was Krispy Kreme. That's that's what they needed to tie it in. He yeah, had a full-on cake, too. This this episode's just celery and celery sticks and <laughs> yeah, um, he's vegetables now that he's eating his wisdom donuts. <laughs> celery, they're good for you. <laughs> tagline. Also, uh, shout out to the disgruntled uh, trash worker for for Buzz Blast. Like he was he was a character. Yeah. Yeah, that was the cleanest dump I had ever seen. It was like four (laughs) small piles of trash and just some gravel. I was like, I've been to a real dump. First of all, it is so disgusting, the smell, that it's like overpowering. Yeah, he was a... It's terrible. The transitions, though, between the New Zealand footage and the Sentai footage are a bit jarring. I can't even tell anymore. In the first season, I could tell a little bit. But yeah, this season, they've done a really good job of blending it, in my opinion. The only one that I mentioned in in our last episode uh, review was that uh, when watching the series back to back, there's a few episodes where they use like the same warehouse and they use it for a couple early fights and then they bring it back later. And when you're binging it, you're like, wait, that's totally the same filming location. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, the Sentai, even with like, I'll see him in Ryder too. Like, Oh, it's that yeah. under the bridge area. We're heading down there again. <laughs> I was like, there was a guy I'm seeing here. Yeah. We'll you'll see like the, you know, the exact same location that you specifically remember from an episode years ago, but shot from like the exact same angle. Oh, yeah. It's messing with their head. That quarry, they just have like a ongoing deal with. <laughs> but uh, I, I do like that they feel the confidence to be able to divert from the Sentai footage in, ta- in places because I'm pretty sure that um, the Black Ranger wearing the or no, it's not this episode. It's a later episode where the Black Ranger wears the Smash Battle armor didn't happen in the Sentai. Yes. yes. And that was like right. another example of like Pink Ranger wearing the Blazing Battle armor. I don't know. I love these armors, guys. I think they're just like the coolest PR like power up that everyone can use and swap back and forth. And being able to see them like take those and run with it is just like freeing in a way. Like... Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it doesn't have to just be the Red Ranger who gets power up. Like, everyone can kind of find one and find a cool way to kind of integrate it into their story. I love that. Yeah. We also get a full morph in this episode, which is so hype. (laughs) Yeah. The audio in these morphs. So I have the Dolby Atmos in my upstairs room here Mm. with the big TV. And that every time that morph goes on, I crank that thing. And it is so, like just the audio and the visuals it's it's become my favorite morph in this series it's just so good yeah and especially you know in these like past few seasons like getting a f- full morphs for people is getting rarer and rarer so when yeah. s- like a single person mm-hmm. does their full morph and you get in that nice hd and uh, and it works with the music i'm in full agreement mason i i love that morph sequence yeah yeah and Samurai, though, a full morph would take up half the show. 
<laughs> True. Literally. Yeah. I, I counted like in, there was like a two minute, the samurai morph when they all did their individual, it took like two minutes and like 15 seconds or something. You have literally one eleventh of your episode taken yeah. up by a morph. That's wrong. But I do like when they show these single morphs, especially for character focus episodes. Yeah. yeah I'm very pro zoom call morphs. I yeah. think that really helps things out. <laughs> like here. <laughs> Every season could, should take the opportunity to just indulge themselves once in one full, like full team, yeah. you know, full screen morph, just because, you know, it's nice to do, you know, nice. For, like, it's nice for the fans toward the end back. of the season. Yeah. 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 Because especially like there are times where characters have never gotten a full screen morph, mm-hmm. like certain like fifth, sixth rankers. Yeah. But yeah, going back to the the armors, like uh, uh, Tyler MC, I, I'm in full agreement. I love these, what they call the dino sleeves here. And I just love the sleeve armors. I love the power-up armors. I love that anyone can use them. And the different color combinations that come with these armors, like the smash on, on the Blue Ranger and the Black Ranger, it, it all just really works. And uh, yeah, these are, these are some slick... Uh, morph. So when when I find out something like that, where that combination wasn't used in the Sentai, that makes me look at that footage even more. I'm like, wow, they really got the full armor shipped to New Zealand and they were able to use it for the story, which yeah. I want to mm-hmm. see. I want to see them use it for the story and not, and making their own footage. Yeah, my favorite thing, though, with the blazing battle armor, you'll occasionally see the head flop. Right, the the, like dino shoulder like does flop open every now and again and i don't know if it's supposed to do that but i love it (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if they actually need to refab it like this probably yeah probably uh but but then that just goes to show you that their costume and prop department is just on point yeah i think we can move on to episode six jam session uh 28th episode overall for dino fury featuring the debut of Terra Free Zord uh, since its flashback in Destination Dino Henge. Also marks the debut of the Terra Free Zord battle mode, uh, the Freeze battle armor, Centora as Void Knight, and the Snooze Dino Key. Story by Alan Dale, Becca Barnes. Teleplay by Johnny Hartman, Becca Barnes, Alan Dale. Uh, once again, directed by Robin Grace. Javi notices a powerful Dino Key on a band leader's necklace. The Rangers power up to face off against Void Knight's nasty new gizmo. I'll go right out and say it. I hated that emo guy. I hate him so much. <laughs> the band and, leader, yeah. Yeah, and I know I know you're supposed to hate him, but I really hate him. This guy yeah. was But I just thought it was yeah. funny, like he's a jerk about pancakes of all things, and he's just <laughs> mean to everyone, and then he gets on stage and sings a song about how he's an ass. I'm like, he's, well, he knows his brand, I guess. Like, I kept waiting for there to be a moral to that story, you know, or for him to, you know, learn something. And no, he's just kind of there to be a jerk. Yeah, the moral is some people are just. Yes, But I do love, I love whenever they just give him like a little thing, you know, like pan, a pancake. Pan fan. There was no, yeah. there's a pan fan, and he knows the difference between pancakes and flapjacks. I had to look it up. <laughs> there ain't one unless you're in like <laughs> England. In England, it's a different thing. Everywhere else, it's it it means the same thing. Oh my god! Does it also mean something different in New Zealand, or you know, is it like you know one of the jokes that 
Americans don't get like the episode title world famous in New Zealand? Or is it is is it like some Kiwi inside joke? I was I wasn't sure. No, uh, it's not though. Like only in England. In England, it's like it's more like a granola bar, is like a flapjack. But everywhere else, it's just another word for pancake. Yeah, it's just like a regional mm-hmm. thing, I think. Like soda or pop. Right. I think they just did it to emphasize how much of a jerk he is, because if it's, there's no difference, like, then he's just that much more of a snobby jerk. But the, the fact that he's a pan fan, fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which just sounds wrong. I mean, I guess they couldn't go with fan cakes, but you know, whatever. <laughs> and see, that- like, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to make him like, you know, he had a, he had a shirt, fan. like a big pan fan with a t-shirt and everything. But like <laughs> that little, that little hat they put on that character of like being a pan fan made me like him a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him so much. I love him. <laughs> yeah. He says pan fan and he like unzips his jacket and then you see yeah. the key. I'm like, I'd be a more, fa- more of a fan of that key than I would of pancakes. <laughs> yeah, Blair, I mean, the Blair guy's an asshole, name. but he knows his breakfast food. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, and he won't waffle on it. Right. Uh, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing he doesn't like, I'm guessing he doesn't like waffle house. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody does. Inferno Girl Red does. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I like Waffle House when it's 3 (laughs) a.m. Right. (laughs) And you're close to a safe bathroom. (laughs) So circling back to uh, the the past episode, I like how Javi's dad, Warden Garcia, I keep calling him Warden, but I know he's got a name, isn't it? Yeah, his first name is Uh, Warden. <laughs> he does have a name. Carlos, 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 Carlos yeah, Garcia. Right. But I really like how we've seen his relationship, like we talked about with Izzy. Now we know that that's his stepdaughter. And he just puts Javi on such a strict, because he he wants Javi to succeed and focus and be successful. But it's almost like to a fault. And that's why I love that part of the episode is because we finally get a chance for, for Carlos to see that Javi is really passionate about this and he's actually pretty dang good at what he does. And, but also for Javi to realize, well, maybe you're also right. And I need to apply focus to what I do and really hone down on one skill set. So just again, it's like the previous episode. We get a chance for both parent and um, child to really develop and mature. Teaching moment. Yeah, this has been a thing since we first met them early mm-hmm. in the season. You know, this divide between Javi and his dad. You know, I'm glad that he gets called in his hypocrisy and they get a little uh, closer to, to one another. And I think unlike my gripe with the next episode that we're going to talk about, this is something that's been there. I love that Javi just flat out called him out on it. Yeah. It was so direct. And I was like, Ooh, you're going to need to apply some ice to that burn. Like, dang. <laughs> it's just weird. Cause like his dad is like a fifties dad. Like every time he sees him with, he's like, you kids in your rock and roll. Music. <laughs> and like, he's 17 and he's playing with his guitar. Like, why do you care? I'm like, this is the time when kids try different things and do whatever. Is that different from Ravi and his mom? Oh, no. It's the same type of storyline. Yeah. It's it's something parents and kids are going to have conflicts about forever. But something that I I, I like about that is that it seems like his his real gripe isn't the music. 
it's his lack of focus. He's like, yeah. Javi, you have like five instruments. Are you going to focus on one? Are you going to actually have some kind of future here? Or are you just going to kind of like play with an instrument, pass on, then eventually have, instead of mastering one thing and making a career out of it, are you just going to have like 20 instruments you kind of know how to play? You know, and in that sense, he has a point. Like, right. He is worried about his son's future. Like, he's not a villain. I mean, a lot of musicians mess around with different instruments. I mean, most professional musicians are proficient in more than one. So I think it kind of makes sense. But, like, also the, like, ridiculous strictness is kind of a cliche with service parents, whether it's military or... Oh, sure. Or in this case, like... I mean, you see it across, I mean, even as back, like, I remember there's, like, episodes of Saved by the Bell where, like, you know, Slater's dad was in the military, so he's always a hard ass. It's just like a cliche now, yeah. you know, the army dad or the, like, like to bring up your point from, from Beast Morphers, like, you know, she's in a form in the military, right. Military types, you know, so it, it's just something that they do, I think. And especially music or the arcs would be the antithesis of what they're into. So I think that's why they like the cliches to come down so hard on that. Yeah. And it's definitely something that was recycled from, from Beast Morphers and, and we've seen it before in shows, but I think the reason I like it more here in Dino Fury is because we've seen the buildup and, and we saw a buildup in Beast Morphers, but not to an extent, I think, that we did in Dino Fury because, I mean, there was a whole episode about Javi's keytar and getting the keytar and then his dad taking it away from him. And so so we, we've seen this build and, and kind of boil to the surface level where I just really like that Javi kind of blew up at him. So maybe he can finally get his guitar back now. <laughs> but going back to the, the freeze dino key, I love everything about this dino key. I love the armor. I love the Zord. I wish that toy was out already. Just the, that whole, <laughs> that whole Zord sequence was incredible. It was such a great fight. It's nice. Cause you might actually get a toy of the Zord. Right. Unlike the, yeah packy guru and the raptors you'll never see them oh god i just want hasbro to be like surprise these are also happening but expecting a surprise from hasbro is a mistake i know (laughs) (laughs) the surprise is that they don't exist I really like the moment where they're trying to make the deal with him to get the freeze dino key with the pancake fan, the pan fan. <laughs> and he he makes the deal that if Javi plays guitar, he goes, my guitarist came down with a bad case of quitteritis. <laughs> <laughs> no, he left because you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I was watching. I was watching that with my kids and I laughed and my son looks at me. He's like, what, dad? What? I was like, nothing. It's funny. Don't worry about <laughs> it. He just didn't. It went over his head, but it was it was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> and I think we, we hinted at this earlier, but it was good that Jane, you know, had a part in turn of, of that B plot of Javi and his dad. It's true. This is the Jane that I want to see more of, not next episode Jane. Yeah. <laughs> I like Jane as serious yet has a funny side. In that first episode ever of Dino Fury, competent boss who happens to buy a robot, like whatever. But, you know, in, in the episodes where Jane is allowed to be the boss of Buzz Blast and kind of direct her employees, I like that she came to his defense. She said, look, this was like the most watched thing that we've done in terms of music your son is actually really talented so maybe cut him some slack i'm like 
that's the Jane I want to see more of. Yeah, see, I like. I would argue that the Jane in the next episode is what I want to see more of, standing silently as a tree. <laughs> oh, no. I just, I, you know, I want to say, is she maybe the best actress on the show, though? That moment where she's like, hey, nice metal. You know, that was one of the most popular performances we've ever seen. It just felt so natural of her right. saying that. It wasn't like some of these lines get forced sometimes with, especially with Ollie. Like you feel like he's forcing some of these lines. Yeah. And she would it, be the best actress on the show if it wasn't for Izzy in the last episode true yeah yeah i think they're they're actors on the show who i would criticize if i weren't loathe to criticize actors who are very new to this yeah and i'm not criticizing any of their acting i'm not saying that but like i i just felt like a lot of her moments are some of the most natural on the show because she can be wild and crazy jane and that's Mm -hmm. believable to some extent in this universe but then like when she comes up with a serious moment like hey, you know, that was like a really good thing that he just did, you know, and mm-hmm. like talk some sense into her dad. And he was like, oh, yeah. True. Yeah. I, I think it's because the, the actor, the actress, she's done a lot of theater. Yeah. Like has a BFA. She's not new to this. I do like both actresses for Jane and Jay Borg. The actress for uh, Jay Borg, uh, Victoria Abbott, her physical comedy and her physical acting, it's great. It's flawless. It's just, you know, the way that they're sometimes utilized in the story, like the, the next episode, which we'll talk about, which I'm like, Ugh. yeah. Also, this is the episode where the black Ranger wears the smash battle armor for the first time. Oh, okay. And again, I think it ties into his, like, this is definitely a hobby focus episode mm-hmm. and seeing him kind of like power up and literally punch this Zord out of the rock was like kind of a, like a really neat physical, tangible victory for his reflecting his more emotional musical victory too. Yeah. Kind of like a, maybe like a beat saber moment. He's just, you know, pounding on that wall to get the, the Zord out, but uh, (laughs) also just kind of like punching out his frustrations. I I think, you know, that's, that's something we can all relate to in terms of just like any outlet to like, Oh, I'm, I'm mad, but you know, I don't want any physical violence. I'm just going to hit a punching bag or whatever. So, but it also is there to like help the situation and just the debut of the uh, Terra free Zord. I, I love that zord so much it looks so cool yeah yeah it's not bad i did like when he when he finally frees it and he's like uh go destroy the jamming thing you can't miss it it's ugly as hell (laughs) (laughs) yeah and just uh just the bad guys like uh i i think mucus has a couple good lines about just how wacky this thing is (laughs) yeah yeah this is the reveal episode of void queen too so she uh, pops yeah. on the scene and she's creepy. Yeah, you're right. She's definitely creepy. I... Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. This is Grimace's mom. Another reminder for the people who want Tokyo adapted. We're never <laughs> adapted. Oh, that ship has sailed a long time ago. That ship was sailed the moment they decided trains would be the theme. <laughs> right. Well, it was Centora and the Void Queen and, and using Madame Noir from Tokyuger, which Simon said was they were looking at all the designs and this kind of fit perfectly because it, it almost like fills that void of the purple color, which ties back to Void Knight. Yeah. And just that design is so fantastic. The Tokyo designs, that whole villain group is designed so well 
that if you're not going to use that season at all as an adaptation, why not pull whatever the best things you can from that show? And and they're pulling the best thing with these villains, and that costume just works perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're lucky that it looks of a piece with Void Knight and the other suits. The villains are the best part of Tokuger. I mean, all the designs were mm-hmm. amazing, and they were really cool. Just the look of terror that... Tarek has like you were my wife and now you fully embrace the Sporex and and now you're you're this this monster I think that's the point and and you know just the the look on his face and just kind of like that worry where oh she's now completely off the rails yeah yeah because we have the understanding that that is an actor or actress in a suit right but in the fiction of the show I don't think she's wearing like a helmet or anything, you know, that's not like a void night suit. She has been completely transformed into a new body. And that would be terrifying to watch happen to your significant (laughs) other. Yeah. Yeah, You would think as a married couple, that's a discussion you would have before your spouse (laughs) turns herself into a hideous monster. (laughs) Maybe you go to couples therapy first. (laughs) Exactly. And, and that's the thing. He is using the Sporex as a tool, as a means to an end for her. And now she's completely turned into a Sporex-based creature, which is not the thing that he wanted <laughs> at all. That's like the complete opposite. He's like, this armor comes off. Your thing is permanent. <laughs> Overall, just a fantastic episode in terms of the relationship with Javi and Carlos and especially that moment at the end where Warden Garcia like finally just recognizes Javi and then Javi coming to that realization where but dad you're also right I could do some more focus in what I prepare for especially if I do want to make this a career in my future which is smart and that's something that kids have to think about I mean in the future if they want to take their hobby into a professional level at some point they have to think about so I think it's a more mature lesson the Garcia family are the heart of this show yeah. you know all of the best dramatic scenes have come from them And once again, we get another speech of Javi standing up to his dad, Mm -hmm. standing up and saying, hey, you are being a hypocrite. And that's something that even adults have trouble like communicating to their parents. And there's Javi doing that. And he's right. And he gets through to the warden. And that's something that's uh, it's another another Garcia family heart to heart. And you love to see it. Mason, I wanted to ask, are these lessons being absorbed by your kids in the moment? Have you had a discussion? Have your kids ever told you off? I don't want to cry in the, on this episode, but like <laughs> me and my son watched this together. And after the episode was over, he came up to me and he said, Dad, thanks for accepting me for what I like. Oh, wow. It was a moment like literally I, I, I did want to say that because I get like teared up thinking about it. And I just hugged him and I was like, bro, I always got your back. He's just like, yeah, I don't have to deal with that kind of thing with my dad. And I tell him, I'm like, well, thanks for being you and enjoying what I enjoy too. Cause it's fun to do things together. Right. Like watch this together and do this together. It's definitely translating for sure. And that's awesome. I just think the, the model of not the parents are stupid. They're here. Da, 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 da. The, all of the parents in this show have made a significant impact 
which we've never seen in Power Rangers before. All of the like all of the parents involved, <laughs> Amelia's grandpa, he's goofy and funny, but they've had some really tough, nice moments with him. And even with Ion, no spoilers or anything for later episodes, but like him and Ion have a good moment. And then obviously Izzy's family, Ollie's mom. That's something I really appreciate about this show is bringing that element into it. Yeah, usually on Power Rangers shows, the parents just are either dead or abandon them to go live in a cave. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or or they're dating each other's parents. Oh no. <laughs> or they're secretly the bad guys, which might still be the case. Bum bum bum. <laughs> Or it's just over the top, like Kimberly's uh, stepdad was just a Parisian guy and like a painter, you know, like the, <laughs> the, the character played there. Played by the same person who played her Uncle Steve. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I did not. I didn't realize it was the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. She left her dad for her dad's brother. That's a story. Yes. That episode never got done. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for dropping me off at school uncle dad <laughs> i i don't know i don't know what's happening <laughs> so episode uh, seven and then finally episode seven new leaf uh overall the 29th episode of dino fury uh seventh episode of season two uh, which is the first part of a three-part story to Void Knight's defection from his army and redemption alongside with Void Queen taking over as the primary villain. This episode features the debut of the Terra Rex Zord and the Terra Smash Ultra Zord. A story by Becca Barnes, Allendale, Maya Thompson, teleplay by Maya Thompson, and once again, directed by Robin Grace. So three of these episodes directed by her, and I think she did a fantastic directorial job on, on this block. Santora convinces Void Knight and the wicked Squash Blight to contaminate the city's water supply and turn all residents into trees. So real quick, this is one of my favorite little moments that I've seen so far. Where Ollie's like, oh, he gets his mom's like, oh, your professor friend's coming. And he's like, yay, we're best friends. And then the professor's like, actually, you're kind of a dick. All right, see you around. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though, is like his mom was like, yeah, Professor Drake called me and was really disappointed that I'm not going to be there to see him. But I told him you're there. And he wasn't excited to see Ollie, but he was super excited <laughs> yeah. to see Ollie's mom. He's like, Ollie, I wanted to hang out with your attractive mother, not you. Ollie, you're, you're great. <laughs> Yeah, I like the moment where she's video chatting with him and she's like, oh, your best friend's coming. And she's like, and he's like, oh, you're coming home. And she's like, that's sweet. But no, <laughs> she said sweet. Friends, she huh? meant sad. Yeah. yeah. I do like Ollie and, and Dr. Akana's re relationship. Uh, I think that's great. I don't know what, like, aside from story reasons, why she's in Japan. Like, I don't know if she just wasn't available to film in person for season two or if there's like a behind the scenes thing or if if she's coming back. But I'm glad they that they still included her. Yeah. It seemed like a quarantine thing, maybe. I mean, COVID. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. In the first episode, he's like, oh, how is it at the Ishinomori Institute? And I was like, nice name drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely a nice Easter egg. You know she's there by the sign in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have an office with a big logo of where I work. In the beakers well, Her and Zoom stuff. background looked very much like a Zoom background. <laughs> yeah, well, true. That's true. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. It essentially was. Yeah, this episode, like, I feel like Ollie is my least 
favorite character on Dino Fury, and I don't want him to be. <laughs> True. I yeah. usually like Blue Rangers, and I know he's smart, but I feel like we've already had this lesson with him like two or three times in the show already. Yeah. Just don't be a jerk. That's this whole episode is, you know, him yeah. learning the lesson with Amelia again. Like, I already thought that he accepted her, you know, supernatural liking in a previous episode. So when we flash back to this, and I don't know if it's more just trying to impress his doctor friend, like get a load of this supernatural crap. Right. And then getting (laughs) shut down and then he doubles down on it. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) It was so over the top when he was, I think it was trying to impress that guy because it was just, like so cringeworthy when he just like out of nowhere like jumps straight down her throat and they're both like okay that's really <laughs> awkward i feel like the nature of the focus reminded me of you know, during the kalish era it's that character traits would show up whenever it was convenient to do a focus episode about them yeah spd was a big example of it. right spd exactly that was a big time example like he wasn't this much of a jerk in all the episodes prior. He's only a super jerk in this one because the, again, the episode needs to happen. But the other issue that I had with this episode was it seemed like it was more cheaply made than usual. Like the location seemed like it was, might've been somebody's backyard and the, the CGI, you plan your effects for what you can do convincingly. The CGI and the tentacles and the tree people and the taxi all look jank. I'm not sure if I'm the only one who thought that. No, you're not, because one of my biggest issues with this episode was the whole pool situation. And instead of this kind of funky Jane and Jay Borg, you know, weird octopus tentacle thing... I don't understand why they couldn't have made a Sporex beast that in their initial form was this like tie it back to the Rangers somehow. And now, now you've got like a sentient octopus out for revenge. Wasn't he made out of the purple gunk from the jack-o'-lantern thing? I thought that's how it was tied, but maybe I just read into it too much. Nope. He was just a lost octopus. Yeah. That's it. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's the whole gag. <laughs> All right. Then my apologies. Just the over the top. And I get it. It's a kid show and it's the comedic bit, whatever. But I feel like if they just tweak this enough where maybe the monster of the day, this uh, squash blight, you know, why, why not make it like some kind of like plant tentacle or something? And yeah. like, that was yeah. like the Sporks is preform before he like, just tie it back. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. Instead, you've got sure. this, this octopus who can like jump out of the pool, order a taxi or whatever and wave is <laughs> just, it was yeah. so weird. Yeah. And just the cartoony, like, them spinning around in the whirlpool, it's like, am I watching Looney Tunes or or Power Rangers? Yeah, Yeah, well, something that I thought was going to happen, I was kind of disappointed when it didn't happen, was it seemed like there was a line that made me think that Jayborg was going to get stuff to do. She realized that, you know, the tree didn't affect her. Yeah, that could have been another thing to tie her into the episode. Like, why not have her interact with the Rangers and at least call the hotline or whatever. And she did have a funny line like, oh, I'm so glad that I'm a robot. You know, why can't everyone be robots? And that was the, that was like, whoa, AI taking over a moment, which is kind of like tongue in cheek, which I enjoy that line. (laughs) It would be really funny if like Jane became untreeified and Jay Borg was like, I worked with the Rangers and helped save everyone. And Jane's like, okay, Jay Borg. (laughs) Right. Sure you did. 
Like that would have been really, really funny. She'd be like, did you film it? <laughs> did you film it? <laughs> <laughs> I think the slapstick was turned up to 11 on this one. Yeah. Partially because that whole people turning into tree things was legit horror. Yeah, it was creepy. Like capital H horror. Like that dad with like the little girl who turned into a tree was shocking. Was scary. Yeah, well, I, guess, I guess maybe they had to, you know, make it look the way they did just to downplay the body or like you know if they went full like if, if you, have you seen annihilation yes yeah i don't like to think about that movie this late <laughs> <at> night. <laughs> but it but also the effect that they did when they did turn the trees it almost looked like a cg version calling back to mystic force when xander and them turned into trees like it almost had oh, like yeah. the same the same bark texture or pattern. So I thought that was kind of like, I mean, that's immediately where my brain went to with, with the power Rangers, but no, I just thought that they could have integrated those two plots together more. And that's why in beast morphers, I didn't mind Ben and Betty so much was because they did tie it back to the Rangers. Yeah. I just thought it was weird that they were filming people at the pool. (laughs) (laughs) they did use this all as a bridge like that scene where you were talking about tyler mc with the dad and the daughter where she turns into the tree they were using this too is to void night to see that family dynamic and being like what am i doing this is getting out of hand this is not what i wanted here this is what she's doing that this is not my original purpose for my my mission to get my family back together. And now I'm ruining other people's families. Absolutely. And was, was this the episode where Centora blew up his ship? Oh yeah. No. Like the yeah. ship. Was oh, okay. mm-hmm. That was great because yeah. he was just like, what have you done? Like it, <laughs> n- not only were you turning into like a Sporex beast bad enough, but now you blew up the very thing I was working on for like a year and a half. Like, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. All his goals were insight. Yeah. You know, all of everything he wanted, he's like, I can have it like in the next five minutes. We can get on the spaceship. We can leave. We can be happily ever after. And she blew up his like happily ever after it, without even a second thought. Yeah. I think this episode where Tarek kind of like turns on Void Queen and is starting to think, okay, she's going to hurt people. I need to do something about this. Mm-hmm. This is the episode I want to put into consideration for Tarek to be a ranger. Mm. I think this episode where he turns is like, there aren't, there aren't many, but I think he is the purple ranger in this episode. I think he is the one who is like, there is something wrong. I'm going to teleport. I'm going to meet with the other rangers. I'm going to tell them what they need to know. I'm going to fight with them and be a hero. Cause like if everybody had turned mm. to trees, Holy cow, that would have been the darkest like villain plot I can think of. <laughs> I just wish it was a little bit more gradual. I mean, like we had one or so episodes of him being like, I don't care about revenge. And you're like, okay. And then like, she does one thing and he's like, that's it. I'm turning on you. And I'm like, if you really love this woman so much that you spent the entire first season doing whatever it took to got her back. And then you flip on her that fast. Like, I wish you just would have struggled with it for just like another episode or so. Like I get it has to happen eventually. And I'm fine with that. But I just feel like if he was really that much in love with her, he would probably lie to himself and tolerate her ridiculousness a little bit longer than he did. Like, I get it's a kid show and they only have so much time. I get it. But I just feel like 
it would have been nice if it was just a little bit more gradual. Listen, I love my wife, but if she told me to start killing kids, we'd have <laughs> problems, okay? But you try to reason with her longer, <laughs> wouldn't you, before you just write her off? On one hand, on board with the idea of planting seeds before her revival. <laughs> planting the seeds, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not intentionally, but planting seeds before her revival that, like, the other things that Void Knight won't do. Yeah, that would have been good. I'm not sure if it was it was Simon or Becca Barnes who, who said this, that they were expecting to only have to do 20 episodes of Dino Fury and then had to stretch right. them out. You know, now that we know that, trying to figure out like how, where, and when things were stretched out, you know, maybe entire episodes might have been originally not in the cards and trying to figure out where those scenes are like it's possible there's a version of dino fury there could have been a version of dino fury where this takes one less episode to get from waking her up to her going rogue yeah and i think you know once we see the whole series maybe we can speculate what a shortened half season would look like but I'm glad for these episodes because we can stretch out these emotional moments. I think that moment where she blew up the ship was meant to be that shocking, even to him, because he's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's it. We're, we're done. So I think that makes his turn easier because now that he's seeing, like he was on board with, okay, I'll do this plan, whatever, but actually seeing it affect kids. It's out the window. That's like the second confirmation. So I mean, yeah. again, it's a bit of a Villamax moment. He sees, like, Dad and his kid get turned to a tree. He's like, I'm out. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Well, he was down for a little bit of light revenge. He was like, all right, yeah. I'll do a little, we'll do a little revenge, and then we'll fly <laughs> away together, and then we'll be happy. And then as soon as he couldn't fly away and be happy, I think that, I, I agree with you, Eric. As soon as, like, Blood Queen blew up their ship, he was like... All right, I cannot get what I want now. So yeah. let's and now he is this. basically a, a free agent. Yeah, which <laughs> which will be interesting to see play out for sure. Going back to to Ali, even though he was such a jerk in the beginning, I I do like eventually. You know, he started to open up and and listen to Amelia, and you know, I I have to represent my co-host Zach uh, because he ships the both of them. So. Yeah. I like that, you know, at least that there's that that relationship that, that built up. But again, I thought it could have been done a, a little better and not just for the episode because I just feel like he's had this lesson learned with Amelia before and it just makes yeah. him like a jerk again for no reason. Like you said, they've done this. They've done this episode a couple of times in this type of situation where he's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. And then it just like zero to 60, like in this episode from like, Sorry to love, you know, like, we're, like, <laughs> we're going on a date. No, but it's like, it, I, I feel that like they could have taken some of that real estate and been like, let's gradually get him to be like more understanding of her. Uh, yeah, I don't agree with that, but I can see your point, you know, like, and mm-hmm. just move it along. And then this episode could have been the penultimate to that, that storyline. Oh, well. <laughs> I like the line that he had towards the end when Amelia was saying how she got him like a ghost catcher 3000. She's like, it only comes in pink. He, he just <laughs> yeah. says, I can deal with pink. <laughs> it's like this kind of concession that's also saying that he kind of likes pink, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They're going to get together eventually. I, 
if he learns his lesson this time, if he actually learns his lesson and it sticks and I see it, I'm going to be pretty happy. Right. Because like that kind of like turnaround, that kind of character development is what I want to see. I don't want to see who they end up being as a character be like their introduction. You know, I want to see growth and development. But like, gosh, how many times can the lesson be? Ollie, don't be a know-it-all. Don't be a jerk. Play nice with others. Yes, you're very, very smart, but other people have ideas too. Please listen to them. Yeah, if if we get another one of these in the second half of Dino Fury, that's I think that's going to be my biggest mark against it. Is mm-hmm. yeah. why are you making Ollie continuously be the the jerk for no reason? Yeah, yeah. No, and I don't think we will. I think right. that like this is the we're moving past that now. It's all about there shipping you know like we don't uh, have that many episodes left anyway yeah we got 11 more yeah yeah Yeah. i hope they don't waste any more time on that yeah i do hope we have like a first date episode with those two i really do oh that'd be great like and it's gonna go wrong yeah he's he's gonna be a little bit of a jerk at least but he's gonna want to make everything perfect and like too perfect and she's just gonna be like i just want you to be here like i don't care about all this other stuff i I see it (laughs) Totally. Yeah, I can definitely see it happening. <laughs> uh, one one of the huge uh, Easter eggs in uh, Professor Floyd's slide interview was this slideshow talking about the applications of the atomic realm uh, in the future. Uh, and the three talking points were abbreviated SPD. So it's super Ugh. speedy computers, possibility of time travel, Direct implications for <laughs> law enforcement, and it spells out yeah. SPD on I love the slide. That. Yeah, I nice. love that Easter egg. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think you know, Melissa Flores tweeted once that you know when she was at Savon slash Hasbro, they were actually like actively talking about what to do about SPD because that takes place in 2025, and you know, you wonder how you know will Power Rangers, whatever form it is, in 2025 deal with that yeah i i think you know maybe this was their little easter egg to maybe push that along and kind of hint at it but even if it wasn't that it was it was just a fun easter egg yeah yeah oh, yeah, yeah yeah i thought the purple slime was weird he's just like walking around with a handful of purple slime and i feel <laughs> like everyone should know when you need to come up with an antidote to purple stuff it's obviously sunny d <laughs> 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 um so out of all these episodes do you guys have a a favorite out of all these oh yeah the prom episode definitely the prom episode yeah i would say so for sure five and six were so good just because of the growth moments i mean in those uh it's it's a hard in like to see the growth moments here with this family and to see uh centaura and Tarek break apart you know like the the um the juxtaposition yeah exactly that's what i'm thinking yeah just to see those two things interact twice in a row i i just thought it was really great yeah yeah definitely good some good story structure so we're going to move on to our ranger nation answer segment where we asked hey we're recording tonight with some guest co-hosts reviewing power rangers dino fury episodes four through seven any thoughts on these episodes what'd you think about them so (laughs) <laughs> on twitter long's toys we got him right here he says more phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> uh 
That's for you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> we also have uh, AP, Secret Ranger fan, uh, commenting. Uh, she said, easily the best episodes yet. Yeah, when okay. my uh, six-year-old makes me cry at the end of one of the episodes, I have to agree with her on that. It's definitely easily some of the best episodes yet, for sure. Absolutely. Pal at Paladin4221 says, I wish Hasbro would put as much effort into promoting this show as they did yet another round of Mighty Morphin items. Edward Sanchez at Edward is the man says the baby Pacha Zord in this in episode four is so adorable. And I hope that Hasbro makes a plush of it. Nope. Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam says five, six and seven all deal with true to life issues in ways that were refreshing to see from Power Rangers. There's a heightened sense in this series of meeting people where they're at instead of trying to take them somewhere else. And that respect is nice to see from the kids show. Jesse Elias, uh, at Zeltrax Millennia applies to that tweet. Amen to that. Dino Fury is really stepping up and I love it. Vaughn Brother. What's up, Vaughn? At Mr. Cooper92. I really enjoyed these episodes. Most importantly, episode six. I'm really glad that Javi and his dad are now seeing eye to eye. Definitely reminds me a bit of the other parent-son relationships we had before, like Devin and Mayor Daniels or Wes and Mr. Collins. And then finally, over on Facebook, we got Jordan Horner, who says they were a solid bunch of episodes. Void Queen looks pretty cool, but I'm worried the show is going to revert back to the cliche Power Ranger villain stereotype. I like Void Knight because his original goal was pretty unique compared to other big bads. My favorite episode in this string of episodes was probably Jam Session. Blair brought back some classic emo feels from high school, and the Freeze Dino Key is sick. Also, that Zord Jammer looked like a pissed-off evil squid. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I think that about does it for this episode. I want to thank both Tylers. I want to thank Mason. I want to thank Chris for being on the show. So, uh, we'll do kind of round robin, plug your social media, plug what you got going on, uh, starting with uh, Tyler MC. You can find me on Twitter at Stormbreaker-er. That's two ERs at the end. Otherwise, I write for EFN Cool. I write a lot about Radiant Black, the Supermassive Verse, and um, Dungeons and & Dragons. And that's about it for me. Awesome. Uh, Chris? Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Clong83. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I review all kinds of toys, uh, youtube.com slash longs toys. And then I have a weekly podcast on Fridays. Well, I guess it's not a podcast to Eric. It's a live stream. <laughs> uh we we have a live show on youtube live uh fridays at 10 p.m eastern it is called geek each week so you can search geek each week uh we're on twitter at geek each week or you can search geek each week on youtube and that's every friday at 10 o'clock we do news we usually do games so come hang out watch the show we interact with the chat and it's usually a good time all right uh tyler w yeah you can find me pretty much anywhere at uh um your twitter facebook uh well not facebook uh, don't find me there. Um, Instagram, <laughs> yeah, uh, Friendster, etc. At RSF, A-R-E-S-E-F. And I don't have a podcast to plug, uh, but I do now moderate the Power Rangers subreddit. Uh, and we're working on some fun stuff and changes around there. So uh, nice. come visit. And Mason. Yeah, I uh, I am a, one part of F and Cool, one of the founders at F and Cool. So we have a lot of fun content over there. We've got a lot of fun stuff planned. So come hang out. Um, I also used to be a part of a podcast that's still out there in the universe called Beyond Average Nerds, where two of my buddies just 
we reviewed some uh, retro video games and then we talked just uh, about nerd culture and stuff and they come hang out with us on F and cool sometimes as well. So if you want to check out any of that content, feel free. Otherwise my Twitter's at Mason Merrill, where I basically just retweet uh, Marvel <laughs> news, power ranger news and F and cool stuff. So <laughs> There it is. And if anyone wants to find me, I'm always at Trekkie B47 over on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch, uh, mainly active on Twitter. And I think that about does it. Uh, once again, to all of you guys, really thanks for joining and when my other two co-hosts can be here. So thank you so much and really looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah that thank was you. fun. Thanks. Super fun. Absolutely. Yep. So Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph and rangercommandpowerhour, all one word, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, stay tuned because we'll have at least one more episode in March. Uh, we'll see what that one's going to be all about. Uh, but we're, or whoa, one more in April. I said March. Wow. Where is time going? <laughs> first of all, time uh, is a flat circle. <laughs> time is a flat circle. But May is also shaping up to be a big month. If uh, if I keep on track with the episodes, we are going to hit episode. 200 so stay tuned to our twitter uh because we're gonna kind of charge to 200 for ranger command and so we're gonna try to do something special for the 200th episode uh maybe try to do like a live call-in show or something i'm trying to uh, work out the details for that but we'll be doing some cool stuff in may hopefully and uh, some some big changes, big announcements to the to podcast coming up. So stay tuned for all of that. And until next time, uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you on the next Ranger Command Power Hour. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at Ranger Command PH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash Ranger Command PH to learn more. Thanks for listening.